Ha! Here we go. It's overtime with William Patterson, Jace Brown, and Dawson Wise joining you from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. It's overtime. Uh, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us. A packed episode, a packed second hour, I should say, with Cliff Kingsbury headed to Washington. And we'll also talk about the NBA trade deadline uh, a little bit later on. Um, Let's also dive into uh, what is Marcus thinking um, on the uh, G.I. Jake show. He's got Lakers minus 23, something we were talking about here. Um, We were trying to figure out what book has Lakers minus 23. We were unable to find any of those. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess he's very confident in the Lakers' abilities tonight. Um, We will have to see if that turns out. But our best bets, we've done well with those. We just gave those in the last hour. Um, Let's move right into the NFL now, where the Washington Commanders are hiring Cliff Kingsbury – as the team's offensive coordinator, Joe Witt Jr., as a defensive coordinator. So we broke the news and talked about Dan Quinn to the commanders last week. Now he's found his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. The weird thing about Kingsbury is um, he withdrew his name from consideration from the Las Vegas Raiders job where uh, he was reportedly taking the job. He was going to be their next coordinator. There's no way he pulls out. Oh, he's going to the Washington Commanders now. Um, Kingsbury, 44 years old, had a 28 and 37 and one record as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals uh, from 2019 to 2020. Uh, he worked as a senior offensive analyst for USC last season. Kingsbury is the first major hire under the uh, new Dan Quinn regime and general man- general manager Adam Peters. Uh, how will Cliff Kingsbury's higher impact the Commanders next season? I think it's a boost in terms of their offensive scheme. I mean, you needed to go get an offensive mind. Uh, Kingsbury certainly is one and has been at the college level, has been at the pro level to a degree. Uh, a guy I know very well as a devoted Arizona Cardinals fan had to yes. watch the very high highs and very low lows of the Kingsbury regime in Arizona. Um, a guy that works well with quarterbacks. A bit of a weird dynamic it felt like between him and Kyler Murray in Arizona. Um, obviously, not you know they, they brought him in to coach Kyler Murray. Uh, it, it works for a little bit, doesn't work there towards the end. Um, but you know works well quarterbacks. Got a pretty good track record. Coach Patrick Mahomes at the college level. Um, coached Johnny Manziel mm-hmm. at the college level. So a pretty good resume of quarterbacks. So if you want to draft a quarterback and, and bring in a, a new regime to coach him, I think Kingsbury is a pretty good pick. Uh, he's an experienced play caller by this point. Uh, again, at both levels at this point, several years of calling a very dynamic West Coast offensive scheme, mm-hmm. which is what the Commanders need. Um, and, and we said when when Quinn was hired. Like, last week uh, that he needed to go find an offensive coordinator uh, he's not an offensive mind so he needed to go get one I think he does here I'm not in love with the hire but I also don't hate it mm-hmm. um, and that's coming from someone that had to watch a just dreadful collapse at the end of his Arizona tenure uh, but I think he will do well in terms of offensive success yeah I, I think he'll do pretty well if, if he can get the pieces uh, that we were, we were talking about last week if, if we can get, if he can get the pieces we kind of lined up for it uh, I, I think it could do some damage because I mean he's had some sort of success in this league before now granted uh, he did have that uh, rise and Ugh. fall both for you there so I mean uh, that's something to also take into consideration but I mean he runs a fun offense I think guys like being in it it's, it's explosive it's fun to watch it's probably fun to be a part of so uh, I, I like it especially for the upcoming draft especially like you said with the Caleb Williams connections we'll get into that here in a minute uh, so I mean if, if they can do that if he can get some weapons if he can be, beef up that offensive line he's already got the receivers to do it uh, 
could we see the Commanders make almost a wild card round push this year? Uh, well, I think they first off have to figure out the quarterback situation. Yeah. But um, with Kingsbury, you know, he coached Johnny Manziel, coached Patrick Mahomes, coached Caleb Williams. And, you know, we talked about it last week. Some coaches are better off as coordinators and coaches. I think Kingsbury's one of those guys. Um, did not have a good run with the, the Cardinals. It was all over the place. It was dysfunctional, messy. Um, now he gets a second win now with the Commanders. And you get the opportunity now to get your quarterback and groom him for the future. And, you know, with Caleb Williams, and I know we'll have a more specific talk about him here in a second, but with Caleb Williams maybe not being all in on, on the Chicago Bears, does he force his way to Washington to, to be coached by Cliff Kingsbury? I don't know. But in terms of how Kingsbury will impact the, car, the commanders next season, I think it gives him an offensive mind that has success with some quarterbacks that have done pretty well. Patrick Mahomes has done pretty well at the NFL level and was in college. Now, Manziel was not a uh, NFL stud, but he was really good in college. And Caleb Williams, we know what he is. So he's had a good track record um, with being a specific coordinator, not a head coach. So as his job with the commanders being a specific coordinator, I do like it. Um, I think that we were not big fans of the Dan Quinn hire. And then you hear the offensive mind he's bringing in in, in Kingsbury, then it makes you feel a little bit better about the situation. Um, I don't know if Kingsbury is a home run hire, in my opinion. I think he's a good hire, but um, doesn't make me jump out of the seat for him. Um, so I, I think he'll he provides an offensive mind that has had success with some quarterbacks. I think that's what he provides at the moment. I don't know where this goes long term, um, but at least you've got a guy that can bring in a college quarterback and knows what to do with them. Um, more specifically now moving to Caleb Williams, what does this mean for him? who has been openly selective about where he wants to get drafted to. It just may not mean he, he'll be the number one pick in April. Uh, mm-hmm. This this may allow him to kind of be more outspoken about it. He's been very open about he would like to be drafted by the Raiders or the Commanders. Um, and so, ironically, Kingsbury takes the Raiders' job, pulls out of the Raiders' job, and takes the Commanders' job. So kind of ironic. The two teams Williams talking about is apparently the two teams Kingsbury uh, was courting for the offensive coordinator position. Uh, he, he may just politic his way out of it. Uh, it just may be a sign of the Bears, hey, pass on me. I don't want to play for you. Now look at this. My coach is sitting there at number two. Uh, I want to go play for him. Now the Bears ultimately hold you know that decision in their hands. If they still want to draft him, they absolutely still can. Um, but for him, it just allows him to, to change the narrative a little bit, I think even a little bit more than he already did, and say this is where I want to play, this is where I want to go, Chicago, do not draft me. Yeah, I, I think it definitely gives him a lane, especially with the familiar face. And, I mean, uh, this is a guy that he's, I guess, grown to like if, if he's just going to follow him wherever he wants to go. Uh, it kind of begs the question if Washington will, uh, you know, maybe try to bump up to that one spot just in case uh, there's any questions about Chicago taking him uh, off the board first or uh, other things like that. But, I mean, you know, you get back to what they've got, like – available to give out like picks wise and it, I don't think it's terribly much they got they got some decent picks in this draft but beyond that I'm, I'm unsure of what they've got so that's kind of the question that begs for me are they going to try and jump up for that first spot or are they just going to cross their fingers and hope here yeah you know I think we'll we'll know more about this Caleb situation as we get closer to the draft um, but I, I'd have a hard time finding 
a way he's able to maneuver not being drafted where he wants to be. I mean, like, if the Bears want him, they're going to draft him, and he's going to yeah. have to figure it out. Right. So um, the only way I could see Caleb Williams not going one is if the Bears traded out of it. Um, but it wouldn't make much sense for the commanders to move up just one spot. Right. I, I don't – you know, so – I think that the way he's gone about it has been a little odd, and I don't. I think it's a little bit too inclined for my liking. Um, I get that that you know being the number one pick always isn't the best situation, but I think arguably the Bears have a better situation than the Commanders do at the moment because um, I do like a lot of the pieces they have, and the Bears have another pick in the lottery, so you're able to go get a, another weapon um, like a Brock Bowers or. Um, a Roma Dunze, someone like that, a, yeah. a, a weapon that they can go pair with them as well alongside DJ Moore and alongside Cole Komet. So um, I think the Bears situation is better than the Commander situation, really. And I have a hard time figuring out how he maneuvers him out, maneuvers out of this. Well, for me, I think it was also interesting, and this is purely speculation, but just something I noticed. We had heard rumblings after Chicago let go of Luke Getze uh, that Cliff Kingsbury was one of the names yes. that they had mm-hmm. on their list. All of a sudden, that dissipates. He pivots, goes to Raiders and Commanders. Again, purely speculation. The only people that know this is the Bears' front office, but to me it seemed like just the slightest start of a sign that maybe they're thinking about passing on him um, and going a different direction. Uh, I had always said when when Getsy was let go, I'd always said if they hired Kingsbury, they were 1,000% taking Caleb Williams with the first overall pick. They didn't. Uh, Kingsbury goes to Washington instead. Chicago either just never reached out or, or never sealed the deal with them. It's, again, speculation, but it makes you wonder a little bit. Maybe they're starting to lean a different direction. Do you think they'll – or so here we go. Let's just give this out there. Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, you're the GM of the the Bears. What are What's your decision? I said when we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I would give Fields another year. Uh, personally, uh, I would either trade out and get the again a second monster haul for number one. You already got the monster haul uh, in DJ Moore mm-hmm. for last year's pick. Who says you can't go get something similar with the quarterbacks that are on the table this year? Uh, just go all in on him for one year, uh, I think, or take Harrison at number one. I don't think that would be too much of a stretch. Mm. I just there there's two other big options. It's not like if they trade out, they're they're not going to get a massive haul for him. So I would ride it out with Justin Fields, and I almost wonder if passing on Kingsbury, they're saying, all right, well, we're going to make our bed and let him go elsewhere. Yeah, that, that's yeah. why I wanted to raise that mm. question, Jake. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they should ride it out with Justin Fields, at least for another year, because, I mean, he's getting in a new system once again this year. So uh, it, it should be maybe a step in the right direction, because, I mean, we've seen ups and downs. I mean, they were better this year than they have been the last couple years, but uh, still Justin Fields has uh, yet to he, – he's has ebbs and flows. I mean, we've seen him go off in one of those games with D.J. Moore where D.J. Moore had like a good 230 and two touchdowns, I think, earlier in the year, uh, and then just come out with stinkers for the rest of it. So uh, I, I think if you get him in a better system, I, th- I think that can work out because, I mean, they've beefed up that offensive line a little bit. They're not the worst anymore. It's it's better than Washington's for dang sure. Uh, so I, I think they ride it out here but and try to get a big haul for that first-round pick like you were saying. Uh, I, I don't really see the point in taking two guys that are pretty highly touted uh, scouts, I guess you would say, uh, from these last couple drafts. So you got to think before you draft Williams, what would you be able to get back for Justin Fields? Mm-hmm. Now, I think Atlanta would be a candidate to want to trade for Fields. Yeah. But it also could raise the question, 
you know, if if they decide to keep Justin Fields uh, in, in Chicago, what if Atlanta decided, hey, let's move up for that number one spot? Now we've got our quarterback, Caleb Williams, alongside you know B. John Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, all those guys. You'd probably have to give up one of those guys and your eighth pick. Um, but I think Atlanta would be a target for for both scenarios, either the the leftover Justin Fields or the number one pick. I think that'd be something to, to look at. Um, I, I think that it's it's tough to pass up on Caleb Williams because this is a generational guy. Um, you know, you saw that with Trevor Lawrence. You saw that with Andrew Luck. Um, these guys don't come out very often, and you've got to make a decision. Okay, is what we got good enough? And if you're still questioning, like, is it fair to say the Bears are still questioning if that's a long-term option? I think they, I think they probably are. But all you do by by drafting Williams, generational or not, is reset your clock. Uh, you push yourself back another probably two, three years where. Justin Fields already had a few years in the league. If you go all in, get him another weapon, and keep beefing up that offensive line, I don't, I don't, I, I'm never in support of. If you're, you know, mid rebuild, I don't like turning the clock back, uh, and I've watched my team do it more than once. Um, so I don't like doing that personally. I just feel like if you're still questioning going into this offseason, because I, I think that there's, it's not a like a, a done deal that he stays. I think that right. there, there's still a question mark. What three years in? Yeah then I think it's fair to evaluate, okay, if we're still having doubts about a guy we've had for three years, why do we not try it out with a guy that could be a generational guy in year one? You know, I think it goes back to, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, if you draft Williams and we, we see that he's a generational talent out of college, but if he flops at the NFL level, I'm not saying he will, but if he does, uh, that could get an entire regime fired. Uh, an entire front office is gone if you miss on this decision. Whereas if you keep Fields and it doesn't work, okay, we'll give you another year, draft a quarterback, and we'll try this again. Uh, if you're thinking in the GM's shoes, I, the the risk on Williams is just too big. I mean, your job is at stake, mm-hmm. I think. But I think Matt Eberflus would also say, hey, we take Williams. You've got to give me a little bit more time to make this that's, thing work. That's fair. You know? So if he's being selfish about it, you know, hey – uh, let's take Williams and just give me some time so I can get him right. You know, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think it's really tough to pass up on him, and I think it, it's one of those moves too. On the other side, you pass on him, and he turns out being a huge success. That's how yeah, a whole yeah. regime gets fired as well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, my my opinion on it is, if if you're still having doubts, three years in, you should probably make the move to get Caleb Williams, a guy that's. I mean, look, scouts have seen a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of I mean, they've they've been doing it for a long time and they've been very high on him since his junior year of college or sophomore year of college. Um, I, I think if you're ever gonna pull the you know, shoot the gun to do it, it it'd be now. Um so I, I'd probably lean Caleb Williams and if he, you know <laughs> about said something I shouldn't. If he um if he uh, tries to maneuver his way out, I guess is the, the nice way to say it. If he tries to move and maneuver his way out, um, then I think then you, you let him go, move off of him, because I don't want a guy that's going to cause problems here before he even plays a down and, and have that entitlement of I get to pick where I play, then I would move on from him in, in that sense. But I think if he's willing to play, I think you have to make the move because you still got a question mark on the guy you've had uh, for, for three years now. Um Washington and, and Chicago, um, where would the better situation for Williams be? Oh, for Williams or for Kingsbury? Are we going back to Kingsbury? Yeah, yeah. Williams? You're back to Williams. Uh, for Williams, I'm still going to say Chicago, um, personally. 
just based on the weapons they have, I think Chicago's weapons are better. Their offensive line is, I mean, world's better. Yeah. Washington's offensive line, 29th in the league. What rookie quarterback wants to stand behind the 29th <laughs> offense in the league? What coach wants to coach the 29th offensive line in the yeah. league? Chicago's is still not great, but they're working on it. They're mm-hmm. building, um, and they have another chance to do that in this year's draft as well. Um, having a second first-round pick if they choose to stay at number one, uh, they have a chance to build that. I think they probably go offensive line, either offensive mm-hmm. line or, or weapon, um, and then maybe they take offensive line later. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually wrote it out. So Chicago's weapons right now, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Equinemius St. Brown, Tyler Scott, Robert Tunyon, Valus Jones, and Khalil Herbert. That's a solid group. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore obviously being the star of the show there. Washington has McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, Logan Thomas, Pringle, Crowder, Brian Robinson, and Antonio Gibson. Wholesale as a unit, I take Chicago's. Um, maybe that's just me, but I, I like the the dynamic weapons they have in Chicago better than what Washington has to offer. I, I, th- I think I agree with you there. Just based on weapons-wise, uh, I, I think he could go in and make more of an instant impact. Now, I do like that receive, those top three receivers for uh, Washington a little bit more. I just I, I think all those guys are uh, they're all young and they're very talented. I mean, McLaurin's a standout there, but Dotson and Samuel are both really awesome. And uh, and whenever they finally get their shining moments, I, I, I do find them shining for the most part. So, but I do think Chicago, like you said, that offensive line is kind of the key factor there. Uh, you don't want to jump in and immediately be swarmed every game. So I, I think having a little bit more protection. I mean, you get a top ten pick and Darnell right out there uh, holding down your. I guess not your blind side, but the opposite end of that at the right tackle. I think that helps out a bunch, uh, and I, th- I think they're more along in their rebuild, I guess. But I mean, again, taking taking Williams here uh, is kind of a reset button in that department. But uh, I, I think he'd fit a little bit better there still. I do like pieces of Washington, and I think Adam Peters will do a great job. Their new general manager, um, but Absolutely. over time, the Commanders have been dysfunctional and 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 not a destination where I think a a, a talent like Williams would would thrive in right off the bat. Defensive-minded guy as well. I don't love that. Um, I think the Bears have a lot of um, really nice weapons around them. Um, and the, the Commanders do as well. They've got some nice pieces too, but they also have another top-ten pick, and that's where you can go out a guy in Brock Bowers. And then, you know, you've got Williams and, and Bowers and – um, you know, you pair that with DJ Moore and some of the other guys that got there in Mooney. Um, I think that's a really nice destination, and I, I think the Bears would be the the better destination for Williams out of the two. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the NBA trade deadline. It's heating up. We'll be right back here on Overtime. Are you ready to play hard and work harder? Are you looking to take the next step in your career with a company who celebrates hard work and appreciates those who do it? then it's time to join the movement at Axel Logistics. Axel is looking to expand their award-winning sales team with logistics consultants who are outgoing, ambitious, and thrive in a fast-paced environment. If that sounds like you, visit axellogistics.com to learn more. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on Fan Run Radio. Axel Logistics, now is your time. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? 
If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows, get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows, the superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz, a compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey Mercedes, this vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com slash EQB. That's MBUSA.com slash EQB. Back here on Overtime on a Monday night here in Knoxville. Let's head to the phones where we got Larry on the line. What's up, Larry? Hey, fellas. How are we doing? Doing well. How are you? I am fantastic, man. So I'm just I'm just chilling down here, you know, in what I like to call the cesspool. Yeah. 20 minutes from the UGA campus. So, you know, mm. um, hanging out. I, I wanted to chime in real quick, and, and I, I'm not trying to derail the start of your NBA talk. No, you're good. Um, but going back to talking about Cliff, um, like Dawson, I am a, a unfortunately a longtime Cardinals fan. Yeah, um, I grew up in I grew up in the Valley. When they moved there, I gave up my allegiance to my other team, and they were my hometown team, so I I, I stayed with them. And I think the what a lot of people didn't see, a lot of people on the national level didn't see that we saw when we were following some more of the stuff that was more behind the scenes, some of the sports radio guys that are back there and whatnot. With Cliff, it wasn't so much the offense that was an issue. It, it was partially, and, I, and I'll get to that in a second, the, the defense. I don't think he had the right, A, the right defensive coaching in place. Sure. B, I think a lot of his was um, was Steve Kime. I think Kime kept drafting people for specific positions, but they weren't really those weren't their positions. Yeah. So he would draft somebody just because he thought, oh, well, this guy, he played a couple downs at this position in college, and he did mm-hmm. really well, so I'm going to draft him, and we can plug him right in, and then they, they're they not going to do that in the NFL level. It's just not going to happen. And they would wait too long on the defensive side of the ball to move these guys around. Um, you know, look at look at some of the guys who have moved on since then and the, the careers that they have begun to have other places when they get them back into their natural positions. Yeah. Um, like an Isaiah and, Simmons type Hassan of Reddick is Hassan yeah, Reddick. Okay. Reddick was the, the bigger one that I was even thinking of. You know, he goes on to Carolina to, on a one-year show-it deal, prove-it deal, mm-hmm. and he blew up. 
Yeah. And then he goes to Philly, and he was he was been has been dynamite in Philly as well. Yes. So I mean, you know, he's playing his natural position, the position he should be in, and that they should have put him in, and they didn't. Yeah. They waited too long. So, um, you know, and unfortunately, they had the choice of him or uh, Chandler Jones. They picked Chandler Jones. Well, that didn't work either. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, no. it just. It, from that standpoint, like I said, I think it was a lot of defensive side of the ball that, that derailed him as a head coach. And honestly, I think part of it, a big part of it, was Kyler. Kyler has been immature his entire career. Now, yeah. Yeah. I will say, this past season, coming off of that injury, I don't know if it was the injury, I, I don't know what it was, but you could see a completely different Kyler Murray on the sidelines. His mm-hmm. demeanor was different. He was not pouting. He wasn't sulking. He wasn't screaming at guys. He would get on them if there was something that they did wrong, but not not the way it was before that. It wasn't always it's everybody else's fault, not mine. It was hey, let's go. So I I think had he had that Kyler, that may have made a big a big difference as well. So it'll be interesting to see him somewhere else as a coordinator where he can just focus on that and and see if that makes a big difference for him. Hey. Um, he had some success, and I think his third year with the Cardinals was probably his best year. Um, I, let's see, eleventh uh, in points and eighth in yards, and in, in Kingsbury's third season. Um, but now that next year, his final year, it was twenty first in points, twenty second in <laughs> yards. Terrible. And and yeah. that was and, and Murray suffered that injury he, that season hurt, too. Yeah. Um, but Kingsbury had at least put together back to back really good game uh, campaigns offensively. Um, but then it, it severely dropped that last season. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, those, that's my two cents on on him. Um, Williams, I, see, I'm 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 out on Caleb Williams. I honestly, this this is just my opinion. I'm I'm not an expert like you guys. Um, I don't I don't think I don't think Caleb Williams is going to be that good in the NFL. Really, my opinion. But I'm also still not sold on Justin Fields. My question to you too about Justin Fields, uh, William, if. If they, let's say the Bears decide to pull the plug on him and, and try to trade him, what are they going to get for him? Yeah, I mean he was a wasn't he a first rounder? He was number one overall, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, that's, that's what I, was, I knew he was. I knew he was way up there, and I just couldn't remember exactly where. And I, I didn't have time to try and look it up before I called it. Um, so I mean, but what what are they going? If you're giving up on him after, and he's and he's not shown a ton of of positivity there yeah. as far as his play goes, are you going to be able to get enough for him at this point to trade him? Yeah, I think that's a yeah. It's a it's a it's a real question. I mean, I think my thing was, and it still stands. They still have a question mark about him. So you have to think about the other teams now. Okay, well, why are we going to trade and, and give up our assets for a guy that still has a question mark? And I think yeah, for your question mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think there there are a couple of teams that would take a flyer on him just because they're so desperate in need of a quarterback. Like Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta just rings the bell for me for Justin Fields if they move on. Atlanta has struggled. Desmond Ritter's not the option. Uh, obviously, Taylor Heineke is not the long term option. They really have struggled in the post Matt Ryan era of finding their new guy. Um, Marcus Mariota didn't work no. um, either. So I think if mm. Fields were to go in there, um, I think that would be a, the best situation for him. But I did not like their hire of a defensive-minded guy. Um, I, I don't know. It, it It's tough because I don't think he's worth – let's see, what – Let's see. What would he really be worth? I mean, I wouldn't give up a first rounder the, for the hypotheticals I've seen are like a second or third round. Yeah, thing. and that's really all I can think either. Maybe a second or a third, yeah. and maybe well, a, a contract. I don't know. I, I can tell you from from the fans 
locally's perspective, they want him. He's a hometown kid. Yeah, he, he grew up here, mm-hmm. so he's he's from here. So they would love to see him here. Um, they hated when he left when he left during college. They they were they they it tore them to pieces. So they would love to see him come back. Atlanta has some draft capital. They also have a ton of cap room because Matty Ice's contract I think finally fell off, yeah. and a couple mm-hmm. others. So they're finally in a decent spot cap wise to be able to bring in other pieces mm-hmm. as well. So it may be a fit for him. They may Arthur Blank may decide to overpay a little bit for him. I don't think they'll give up a first, but they may give up a higher second or something of that nature, or or more picks. You know, and, and something else down the road, or that extra player that that they may want, one of those other coveted pieces that, that Atlanta has. So, you know, that that I think I, I don't see him going. I don't see anybody else being in a position to take him or wanting to give up what they already have for 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 Chicago's question mark. That's just again, that's my opinion. I, I really again, I don't I don't think Caleb Williams is gonna. I, I think he's gonna. I don't know something about it. I think he's going to be a bust, and I and I don't know. It's not talent. He's obviously got the talent. I think it's between his ears, and and I think it's it's a lot of his attitude and some of the stuff that he has done leading into this draft. Man, he's going to walk into a, a an established locker room in the NFL of grown men, and he was just whining and complaining about this and that, and he's crying on the sideline, and he's he's saying, "I'm only going to go somewhere where I can be a part owner and I can do that." And then has had to walk some of that stuff back. Yeah. They're going to remember that stuff, man. And mm-hmm. that that is the stuff that tears locker rooms apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, well, yeah, anyway, I, I, but, yeah, my opinion. Yeah, no, I, and I think it's a perfectly valid one. I think um, leading into the draft, I think, is the weirdest time in the NFL because then you really start to uh, look at a player a little bit deeper than just what he does on the field. Because a lot of these teams are this is their life on the line. You know, this is their job on the line. Yep. Investing in a player like this. And um, you know they make the wrong move. That's you know they very well could get fired, as you alluded to earlier, Dawson. Um, so I, I think Williams has shown from a a player perspective that he's very talented, can make the, uh, some really nice throws, can extend plays, plays that no one else can do. Um, but I I do think that the the persona around him right now is pretty negative because of all the things he said and come out about. The fact that he said he didn't know if he was all in on the NFL draft at the very end of the season was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. When everyone knows he's going to be the number one pick, um, <laughs> right? And and the the whole I want to be involved in in having a, a stock in the team and all this stuff is ridiculous. So, yep. Um, I think if he would just you know take all that away from him and just focus on hey I want to be a successful quarterback like Andrew Luck did coming in, like Trevor Lawrence did coming in, not having all that drama. That's a lot better approach to, to sell a, a team that, hey, we want you to play here. We want this guy to come here. Um, and, and going back real quick to Fields, um, yeah, I think he'd, he'd have a lot of success in Atlanta. Um, you know, as you mentioned, a hometown kid. Obviously, I think he's also due uh, for a better performance than having a, a, a fake punt done in the uh, Mercedes Benz oh, Stadium. Um, being a hometown <laughs> kid. Boy. Yeah, so. Um, maybe maybe a reunion with the Falcons will allow him to make some better plays than having a fake punt in a, in a terrible situation. Oh, but um, what? Well, I'll I'll lead you guys into the NBA talk with do not sleep on my sons. Don't sleep on them. I'm don't just sleep saying. on yes. the sons. They're, they're, I like they're, it. They're, they're going to make some noise. I'm, I just I really I mean, you hear sleep it every on year them. from from Suns fans and everybody else. This is going to be our. Don't sleep on them. I just think that they're going to gel at the right time. They're going to get through these injuries that they've been fighting on and off all year. They're getting it out of their systems. 
while they're getting it out of their systems, their bench players are getting time that's going to be valuable come playoff time. I think they're going to do well. Um, but, again, don't sleep on them. Y'all, keep up the fantastic work. You you guys do such a, a terrific job of of your roundtables and, and everything else. You guys really work well together, and I'm, I'm very impressed with the show. Um, I know I, I know I'm a little biased, but that's okay. Um, but uh, and uh, and as as always, man, go be freaking orange. Y'all have a good night. Yo, orange. Hey, thank you so much, man, for the call. We really appreciate it and the kind words as well. Um, let's now dabble into the NBA trade deadline. Um, the 2024 trade deadline is set for February 8th, 3 p.m. So now three days remaining for teams to make these moves that will. Um, help them make their their last chance at a significant in season move. Obviously, the buyouts are still um, at, at a uh, available, yeah. but um, in terms of bringing a, a big piece, this is your last opportunity. We've seen teams already uh, use the most of this opportunity. Yeah. OG Ananobi going from the Raptors to the Knicks. The the Knicks have looked really good with him. Um, Pascal Siakam going to the Pacers, now giving um, Tyrese Halliburton a running mate. They've looked really good. Um, we've seen some smaller trades like Terry Rozier to the Heat. Um, but you know now is when this really begins to pick up and, and catch a lot of steam. Um, who is a team that needs to make a move at the deadline? Dawson will be with you. I have two. Uh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to harp on the Houston Rockets. Uh, I'm still rolling with the fact that I think they can contend if they get one more piece. Uh, what a great young core, a surprising young core that's ahead of schedule. Uh, if they can make a splash at the deadline, could be a very sneaky play-in team. Could be one of those teams that just gives the number one seed, number two seed a tough time if they make the postseason. Um, so I think they just need to make one more move, capitalize on that young core, and just go ahead and start to win. I mean, you're ahead of schedule, so why not go ahead and try to make a splash and start to invest uh, in, in that uh, in that core's window. The second one is... Is it fair to say the Philadelphia 76ers? Because yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know you lose a massive piece like Joel Embiid, you have to replace that. Uh, you you cannot just you know give up, fold your cards, punt the season because Embiid is out. You have to try to still contend. You're using a year of these guys' prime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can go make a move, I'm not saying you have to go get a massive piece to replace Joel Embiid, but just try to get a few guys that replace his production. Mm-hmm. Try to get a few guys that can bolster your bench. You can do a little bit more of a rotation game um, and focus your game on Tyrese Maxey and just see where it goes. But you leave the roster the way it is, I mean, they're floundering in a big way. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the Sixers are up there as well. Yeah, Sixers, I think they're a little banged up right now too. So that, that, that's not helping them out in the short run either. Uh, I really do like the Rockets there. I, I think that's a young group that uh, you, you get another veteran out there. I mean, you get Ved, or Fred Van Vliet. I'm, I'm not sure if he's been – uh, as prominent as he has been these last couple years, uh, no, he's not. He's averaging 17 a game. Uh, so right now he, he's not looking the best still. So getting a piece, uh, I wouldn't say you can really get rid of him because, I mean, who's going to really want to give him $40 million a year? Uh, but make, making sort of a splash there, getting uh, you know sort of that like 28-, 29-year-old guy that can uh, be sort of a swing piece that can rally these young guys around him uh, that have been already been playing pretty well together, get back over 500 like they have been uh, earlier this year, I, I think they can make some noise in the playoffs too. All right, so my team in the Eastern Conference, uh, we ran out of time a little bit on Friday, and that's why I wanted to you know, re-spark this conversation. But it's a New York Knicks for me, um, and I think that they're missing um, just a couple of pieces off the bench, or really just could be one piece off the bench. Um, just a guy that can come in and relieve uh, you know, Jalen Brunson and, and, and the, uh, Josh Hart, the guys they've got on that team um, that are – 
their volume scores. Now, OJ Ananobi was great. Um, I love that addition to that starting lineup. But my biggest thing, and I harp on all the time, is how deep are you for a playoff run? And I think they're lacking a little bit of depth with uh, Evan Fournier, who's on the wrong side of his career. Um, Quentin Grimes, I think, is hot and cold and, and not a guy you necessarily want, be, want to be playing in a meaningful playoff series. I would love a Bruce Brown. I would love a Malcolm Brogdon for them. Um, just giving them a little bit of a second wheel, um, just second wheel in, in that in that second unit, I, I think would be big for them. And Bruce Brown comes with plenty of uh, plenty of experience after a, a great run last year. Malcolm Brogdon uh, as well, coming from runs with the Boston Celtics. He's in Portland. They're not doing anything with him long term. I think those are two candidates with now Bruce Brown in Toronto. Those are two guys that are candidates to be moved on because the teams they're on right now uh, don't have any plans for them in the future. Those are two guys I'm looking for uh, for the New York Knicks. My team out of the Western Conference uh, is the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. And we'll mm. talk more about them here in a minute. But for the Mavericks, um, they are in need of a, a versatile four that can score and defend. And I think that's Kyle Kuzma. Um, and, and it's one of the things I, I wanted to present later on. But um, the, the Mavericks right now are 26-23, and 23, teetering on the – um, you know, play-in game between being in the actual playoffs. Luka Doncic is great. Kyrie Irving is hot and cold as well. Um, but they they've got some some problems, I think, personnel-wise, which I think would be exposed in a playoff series. Kuzma doesn't make them a a, a championship contender, in my opinion, but helps them out with that depth. Uh, Kyle Kuzma would be a, a really big get for them. Um, so my two teams, each conference respectively, Knicks and Mavericks. Um, so Chris Mannix today, uh, who is a senior writer for the Sports Illustrated, uh, went on the herd with Colin Cowherd today, said that the Lakers should trade LeBron James. Um, and this is the first time I've ever in his career um, not completely <laughs> shut, that, shut that down. Um, and it's not that he's bad for the Lakers. It's just that the Lakers are a mess right now. He's towards the end of his career. There's some teams that would be willing to make that move like New York if they wanted to make a swing move. I'm not saying it happens. I don't think LeBron will ever get traded. Uh, but is this move for the Lakers really what they need? No, I don't think it is. Uh, he and AD have been your most consistent threats all season. He's still playing very high-level basketball. You need to get pieces around him, not trade him. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Just build a few more pieces around him and then go from there. I don't, I don't see how this would help. Uh, depending on what you get back, but even if you do get something decent back, it's not I mean, LeBron. It's not LeBron James, and his playoff uh, resume I think speaks for itself. By now, uh, he can carry you through a playoff series. Um, and for me, it's more okay. You get some nice pieces back. AD then gets hurt. I mean, who do you go to at that mm-hmm. point? D'Angelo Russell has not been consistent enough. Austin Reeves has been extremely underwhelming, I think, this year for them. Expected a little bit more mm-hmm. out of him. Who steps up to lead the team at that point? I don't think I don't think he can move on from LeBron yet. Uh, keep him, build some guys around him, try and get some pieces to get that production. Mm-hmm. But there is no reason to be trading LeBron James right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely not. You you were talking about it earlier. 
earlier, William, excuse me, uh, just about how, you know, the injury problem this year hasn't been with AD or LeBron. It's been with the guys around him. So, I mean, if, if you can get some of those guys out the door, uh, bring in, I guess you might can make a splash move. We talked about a couple weeks ago, get a guy like DeJounte Murray out there, uh, maybe get him running the one or the two, uh, switching out with LeBron at the one. I, I think things could work well. Uh, now, what you do for, with D'Angelo Russell from there, I'm not sure. But like you said, Dawson, he's been pretty inconsistent. We've seen really good flashes where He's dropping 35, 38, and then he'll go out there for 12 uh, and miss like a good like 70% of the shots he takes. And it, it, that, that really won't cut it, especially right now when it's like uh, do or die time, in my opinion, for this Lakers team. Because, uh, I mean, they, they get a decent one tonight against the Hornets. Uh, they got some other games coming up that just aren't as daunting. So, I mean, you, you take that or despite the Nuggets being the next one. So, I mean, I, I think you can uh, – you can make sort of a splash move, I think, or get just some smaller pieces around him that can stay healthy and bring consistent uh, help on the defensive end. But I don't think you get rid of such a uh, just a prominent figure like that in the middle of the season. I don't think anybody's even brought that up about him ever being traded midseason. I've so, never heard it before. So I mean, yeah. and I mean, th- these are all guys that have been bought in around him. This is almost a mirror team to what uh, last year's Western Conference Finals team was, thanks to Rob Palinka. I don't think you break that up right now. I hate to make fun of Chris Mannix because I think he's a, a good writer for Sports Illustrated, but um, I, I think this was a um, kind of a clickbait take. I mean, mm. uh, look, LeBron on any other team is their most valuable player, and mm. LeBron on the Lakers is their most valuable player. Why would you trade that away? Um, I, I think that he is not the problem. He's actually been one of the best parts about this team this season him and ad have been healthy throughout the year yeah that's never happened Mm -hmm. before so the problem this year the injury bug has hit the other pieces and when you have a 39 year old lebron james you need those other pieces to be playing so that you know he's not having to play these big minutes and they've tried to restrict him to where he's not doing that as much this year but as a result you've got guys playing accelerated minutes because of all the injuries so, um, you should not trade LeBron. Let's get that straight real mm-hmm. quick. Um, you know, one thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago was do you go for the splash move or do you go for the pieces move? Originally, I said the pieces move because I'm a little bit of a conservative approach to a lot of things. I like having that, that you know, big depth, um, in that 10-man rotation. But now, I, I've kind of been talked into and convinced of a DeJounte Murray trade um, I, I think D'Angelo Russell has really done a lot over the last couple weeks to try and save his job there. I get it. Um, but, you know, come playoff time, I think he's a defensive liability, and DeJounte Murray has better defense on ball. Um, he's a lot lengthier. So then I, I think if I'm the Lakers, I'm thinking of playing the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals again, who you're probably going to have to face. And you get DeJounte Murray to guard Jamal Murray, you've got a really nice matchup there to where they're not – uh, there was not a complete mismatch with Jared Vanderbilt on the court like there was in that final series last year. So now you've got a couple different ways to counter the attack of Jokic and Murray. And I think if you add DeJounte Murray, there's so many Murrays involved here. Mm. Um, <laughs> if you add DeJounte Murray, you get that and you get offensive production from him. And he's a younger guy. So if LeBron doesn't want to play big minutes down the stretch of the end of the season, you can get that from DeJounte Murray and Anthony Davis mm. and the rest of the guys around him. Is this the move the Lakers really need to move on from LeBron? Hell no. Go get a a guy in DeJounte Murray that can make an impact immediately 
and, and I've really kind of uh, weighed out the the other option that we discussed a couple weeks ago and getting some pieces. I think their roster is good when healthy. Mm. Um, they just need another guy in Dejounte Murray uh, to make them take that next step, and I think that's what they'll do um, if they have the opportunity to. Um, look, uh, Dallas Mavericks, the team I just talked about, currently sit at twenty six and twenty three, eighth in the Western Conference. There have been some talks about Kyle Kuzma um, and a player that the Mavericks have their eyes on. Uh, Dallas is right in the archetypical or uh, archetypical target, um, a tall four who can contribute defensively with some interior shot creation. It's exactly what this roster needs. Kyle Kuzma can give you that and can also uh, get it from beyond outside the paint um, from the three from uh, the three point line. Uh, does Kuzma move the needle for the Mavericks? I don't think he makes them a championship contender. I think I'm with you on that, but I think he moves the needle for them for sure. Uh, his stats live up to that at that position this year uh, for Dallas. It kind of been a rotation of Derek Jones Jr. and Grant Williams, uh, who combined to average less in terms of offensive production than Kuzma does. Yeah, uh, Jones ten and four, Grant Williams eight and three. Uh, just not cutting it for them, so it instantly gives them a scoring boost. He comes in and is the third leading scorer on that team automatically, day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not at the tip-top of the league defensively, but a very good, solid defensive four uh, that would help them out a lot in a playoff run, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just gives them a third option on offense um, and a solid option defensively. I-, I would like that for Dallas a lot. Yeah, I-, I think it would boost that offense. It kind of feels like it would be sort of like a like a Siaka move that we saw where yeah. you just add like a good score that can put up 22 a night uh, and can instantly make that offense better. I think that's really good. I, I think they could uh, take, I hate to say it, maybe take Williams out of the rotation as much as they have been having him. Uh, I-, I-, I think that would work pretty well. That they got some guards with Irving and Hardaway that can still put it in. Uh, I, I think there's some pieces that can work around him pretty well. So I, I can see this being a really good move. I, now, do I think it puts them over the edge? Not right now. But no. Kuzma's still a young guy. Somehow it feels like he's been in the league forever. But I still think that in the right system, he can take some more steps to improve his game. I think the Mavericks as a whole are handicapped because of signing Kyrie Irving. And that's mm-hmm. a product of... Uh, having a owner who's a little bit ahead of himself and knows he should not have moved on from Brunson. He moves on, swings big for Kyrie Irving. It doesn't really work. Now you have to pay him and Luka expensive contracts. They lose a lot of their size. Um, and now you see a team that's I, 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 it's kind of an odd team in my opinion. Derek Lively has been a really big hit for them yeah. through the draft. Yeah. He's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, but they lost a lot of their size in, in, in Kleba and, and Bertans, and now you need a guy to fill that four role um, to to be that shooter from the perimeter but also play good defense, and that's what Kuzma would offer alongside uh, Doncic and Irving. It's an odd team, and I don't think it's a team that is a championship-caliber team, just the way the roster's made up, um, but I think Kuzma would be an option to help at least get them through a round, and you never know where you can go from there. Um you know, everyone remembers a couple of years ago, uh, the Mavericks wound up in the Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. by just you know outlasting the Suns. I hate to bring that up, but um, rough and, series and, and and finding their way to a, a Western Conference Finals against the the defending champions that year. So um, if they can find a way, they can get it done with the talent of Kyrie and Luca. Um, but the way their roster is built right now, they need a guy like Kuzma. And I think they have to strike while the iron's hot. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about who is the best big name on the trading block. Stay right here on Overtime. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. 
Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Are you ready to play hard and work harder? Are you looking to take the next step in your career with a company who celebrates hard work and appreciates those who do it? Then it's time to join the movement at Axel Logistics. Axel is looking to expand their award-winning sales team with logistics consultants who are outgoing, ambitious, and thrive in a fast-paced environment. If that sounds like you, visit axelogistics.com to learn more. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on Fan Run Radio. Axel Logistics, now is your time. I was afraid to cut the cord, but once I did, I couldn't believe it took so long to do it. Paying too much for my cable bill had become a bad habit. I either wasn't getting what I wanted or never knew where to find any of my favorite shows until it was too late. Plus, the prices just kept going up. Thankfully, I discovered a new way to watch called Philo. For just $25 a month, I can catch all my favorite shows on networks like BET, MTV, and TLC. It even has Nickelodeon for my kids. I can watch anytime I want, anywhere I want. Plus, Philo lets me have up to three streams at once, so everyone can watch what they want at the same time. Throw in the unlimited DVR that saves all my favorites for up to a year, and this really is the best deal in TV. I just wish I hadn't waited so long. Sound too good to be true? Well, try it out for yourself, and you'll see why people who love TV love Philo. Go to philo.tv, that's P-H-I-L-O.tv, and start your seven-day free trial now. What is dedication? My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was that my kids wouldn't have a father. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if, if they can think it, they can do it. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. All right, rounding out a victory Monday here on Overtime. Back to our NBA trade deadline discussions. Um, over the weekend, Zach Levine w- announced that he be shut down for the remaining of the season, uh, remainder of the season, I should say, undergoing foot surgery. He's now off the table, was a, a big name in the trade market. Uh, now with him gone, who is the best big name on the trading block? Obviously, probably a lot of DeJounte Murray's, but any other guys? Yeah, the, the big one would be, would be Murray. Instant impact for a playoff team. 22 points per game. It's not working for him in Atlanta with Trey Young. Uh, I love I loved that move for the Hawks at first, but it just does not panned out for him at all. They are floundering. Um, so Murray is number one. The other guy I wrote down was Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, yeah. uh, He's a key cog to that Milwaukee championship. Um, just a huge piece to have in the playoffs. A guy that's been there a lot. Providing 16 points per game in 29 minutes. He's not averaging 35, 36 minutes anymore um, in Portland. So a guy on a, a team that's not contending, that can go to a contending team and give them an instant impact, give them a nice playoff guy. Mm-hmm. Even if he is a sixth man, maybe first guy off the bench. Uh, I would love to be in a position where my first guy off the bench is Malcolm Brogdon so that for me it's it's definitely Brogdon 
I, I still like DeJounte Murray more than anybody right now just because of what he can do and his ceiling. Uh, I, I think that's something that's really intriguing for teams. Uh, but I guess just since we talked about it today, I mean, I mean Kuzma is still uh, an intriguing guy too just because he is the Wizards' leading scorer right now uh, on a team that's not very good, even though they've got like seven guys averaging double figures right now or some crazy thing like that. So uh, I, I think he can put teams in – position to move in the right direction I don't think he puts them over the top but as in current players right now who's the best big name I think it's probably uh DeJounte Murray but Kuzma not so far behind all right so I've got a guy from the Hawks that is not named DeJounte Murray and that is Bogdan Bondanovich yeah I saw him too averaging 22 a night on uh per 36 minutes on a really good efficiency Mm. um I think he's one of the best reserves in the NBA um, he's it's 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 the same thing with Murray. They're having good seasons. It's just not working, and they've got to move off uh, some of these uh, lengthier contracts now. Bogdanovich making eighteen million a year. Um, that's not a high contract in the, this day and age of the NBA, but um, it's a it's a one that's tradable, and and you can get some assets away from him. Um, I think to, for any contender, he'd be a go to guy, um, whether it be off the bench or, or in slotted in a um, a starting lineup. I, I think he would be a really good one. Now, his brother Bojan as well, I think, is another guy uh, to look out for, too. He's with the Pistons rotting away. They're not going anywhere. Oh. The Pistons need some help, need some draft picks, need something. Mm. Um, and, and he's a guy that's shooting 41% from deep this season. He's a guy that can go on any team and be an instant impact. So both the Bogdanoviches are guys I'm looking at. Um, and then Kuzma as well, I think, offers a, a unique um, a unique uh, asset to a lot of teams, especially the Mavericks. Um, so that's a team I'd look for Kuzma to go to. But I think you know Murray's obviously the biggest name available left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some really good options, some serviceable options that can make an impact on a, a on a championship run or a playoff run. Uh, and those are a couple of guys. One more guy I want to mention: Tyus Jones from the mm-hmm. Wizards. Not yeah. too many teams in the camp for. Um, a, a, a player necessarily like Tyus Jones, but I think if he comes in as a backup point guard or even for some teams a starter, I think he's very serviceable. Really good assist-to-turnover ratio for his career. Guy that's unselfish, makes an impact. I like him as well. All right, that's going to wrap us up here on Overtime on a Monday night. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. For William Patterson, Dawson Wise, Jace Brown, you've been listening to Overtime. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow.